Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. It's clearer these days, it's tough to make time. Schedules quickly become busy and calendars suddenly become full. To that end, DPC is excited to now offer this podcast channel, which will allow you to hear a recording of Sunday's sermon from that day's preacher. Whether you listen while taking an evening stroll, driving to and from the grocery store, or anytime you get a free couple of minutes, we hope it can allow for reflection and spiritual growth during your week. We also invite you to visit www.dtownpc.org to learn more about our church, our various ministries, and online giving opportunities. Thank you for tuning in. Have you ever smelled a smell that when you smell it, you're transported back in time to a certain place or feeling? The smell of fresh baked bread transports me back to a Sunday morning at St. Peter's by the Sea Presbyterian Church, where Bob and Shirley would bake 10 loaves of French bread for communion Sundays, six loaves for the main portion of the sanctuary, two for the balcony, two for the choir and the musicians and the other leaders of worship, and to make sure that there's always enough. There's nothing like the smell of fresh baked bread, except the taste. After the service, some of us would crowd to the door of the mini sanctuary kitchen for the leftovers, which there usually were, and we'd happily eat as we stayed talking after the service or along the car ride home. And later in my life, I thought of this extra communion time, and I thought about this leftover bread. It's communion, and it became a tangible reminder of communion afterwards. That Jesus was not just with us at church, but with us at all times. But once the bread was devoured and our tummies were hungry again, where was the presence of God? In our scripture for today, Jesus foreshadows the future, and it's towards the end of the Gospel of Matthew, as you noted it was chapter 18, as there's only 28 chapters in the book of Matthew. And Jesus knows that he's not going to be with them in the same way much longer. So he takes quite a bit of real estate in these last chapters to reiterate some key points about how to live with one another, harmoniously not in arguments. And so in this section, he picks up the topic of how, when there's conflict in the Christian family. We don't know anything about that, do we? And here is where the foreshadowing comes in. Jesus is not an extra participant when he says, I will be with you. But it's that we are called to embody Jesus in our thoughts and our actions. And basically, Jesus is saying, be like me, so that Jesus is present, but present in us. So is it worth it to take this reconciliation challenge seriously? We'll see. Now, Matthew 18 lays out some basic principles. They're severely practical, but also ruthlessly idealistic. And I don't think that's a bad combination. So first he says, take the time to have courage with one another. There might be some ground that you can agree on. There might be something 
that is accusatory back. There might be truth for each party to recognize, and there are times when both sides will be at blame. But the point is, if we listen to each other and come to a reconciliation on this one-on-one occasion, then there's no doubt the two of them will be brought closer together and look at this event in their friendship and put it behind them. And if that doesn't work, and there's still reason to be convinced that a wrong needs to be settled, take two others with you, the gospel proclaims. Now, this isn't a moment to gang up your buddies with you and say, all right, I've got these two people that have the exact same point of view as I have, and I'm going to accuse you. The scripture says to take two people that are full perspective, to take two people that could be completely different, and they actually mention a Gentile and a tax collector, two people that couldn't be further from thought of one another. Now, this is actually typical of Old Testament law, and so Jesus is drawing upon what everyone would be familiar with. Take two or three others who do not see all of the points of view and present them before them. Now, if that still doesn't work, it gets brought to the church. Now, we get a better idea of what the church is like from gathering some information from commentaries in the Bible. And the church looks different than what it looks like if you look to your left and your right. Church is referred to a smaller group of people. The smaller group of people met as a church regularly, and they didn't do anything different than we do. They prayed together. They reminded each other of the teachings of Jesus, and they encouraged each other to live it out. A society based on any other way of living just doesn't work out. So it's not only a promise that we sense the presence of God when two or more are gathered, it's actually a challenge. And if we take it seriously, this engaging in reconciliation, it will be worth it. Now I can stand here and say it'll be worth it, but it's still hard to do. We see people in the TV and movies and news restoring relationships, ending hostilities, or can even diffuse large-scale global attacks. On a smaller scale, we see peaceful communication in a broken marriage, or neighborhoods rebuilt, reunifications of a family, and even unity between churches. And yes, if we watch these fictional characters on television or modern-day heroes on the news, and they work through their difficult issues, there's a chance that we might see it and start doing it also. So what about you and me? Knowing that as we exercise this fence-mending, this understanding the other point of view muscle inside of us, we will grow in faith. When we rely on Jesus' teachings and have faith in the process laid out for us, we'll strengthen our trust and therefore our faith. Now, maybe some of you know the semi-famous writer Bob Goff. He's famous for writing his book, Love Does, a great quick read if you're looking for one. And in addition to being a great author, he also bought a camp in Southern California. And after he bought it, someone sent him the movie, I don't know if you've heard of it, We Bought a Zoo. 
because they were both in a similar predicament of purchasing a property and not knowing what they had fully gotten themselves into. One scene from that movie stood out to the dad and the son telling about how life works. And it's quoted, all it takes is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just 20 seconds of insane courage is all it will take for something to change. Are we 20 seconds away from a change? 20 seconds to make that phone call? 20 seconds to send that text message? 20 seconds to buy coffee for someone? Reconciliation starts with 20 seconds and ends in love. Today we're celebrating World Communion Sunday, which is celebrated by many churches beyond just the Presbyterian faith on this day. Mostly in the U.S., it was a moment to be united, and it gives us many more moments to reflect on what it means to be the church united in Christ. The beginnings of World Communion Sunday were actually fairly meager, but it took up steam during a fairly famous worldwide event of World War II. In the midst of incredible divisiveness, there was a realization of how important the interconnectedness of the Church of Jesus Christ was and for the need of unity and reconciliation. Worldwide Communion Sunday is literally a symbol of the effort to hold things together spiritually and the call for us to reconcile with our siblings in Christ. And today we celebrate it, focusing not on what divides us, but what unites us through Christ. And as I mentioned in our children's message, those things that are so far away from us, if we pay attention to them, they will be brought near to us, no matter how far, no matter how distant, no matter how deep the divide of the relationship. God can conquer it all. And communion does that. It's a reminder of Christ's presence in us, and it sustains us, and it's also in us that long past this bread and this table meet our hunger today, that we will have God's presence with us always. Bruce Reyes Chow, former moderator of the Peace USA, talks about communion in 100 words or less because he's actually a master blogger. And he says, I take communion because it reminds me that the body of Christ goes far beyond those who circle the table in our little church. Rather, it's extended to those whom we will most likely never meet, which in turn compels us to live in this world as if everyone is a brother or sister in Christ. And how do we get fed for this big task? The table is set, my friends. I know that we get fed through things like this, a follow-up conversation with a new person at church, at a former church, Pat and Conrad Von Bieber would deliver a, a loaf of fresh-baked bread to a friend that they had just met at church and delivered to their front porch, noticing that this is a part of the body of Christ and that we're all part of it, and with a note that encouraged them that we, they can't wait to get to know them a little bit more. It would look like 
after years of not being able to receive communion at church because of a gluten intolerance, Rob and Andrea Fox finally perfecting their gluten-free bread recipe that didn't taste like styrofoam so that their teenage daughter could be included instead of excluded. And it would look like the Oreo and soda that you probably grabbed quickly, purposely last time you shared in communion virtually on your computer screen at home when we were getting very creative about communion at home. Perhaps this is your first time having communion in a long time, being together sharing the Lord's table, albeit looking very different than what you're used to. It's commercially produced and it's sealed and it's packaged for us. But no matter its form, God's presence is there. It's nourishment for the work that we need to do to bring God's presence into this world. And it might be 20 seconds to take communion, but the effects will last a lifetime. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us on your journey of faith. Don't forget to check out www.dtownpc.org to explore all the ways DPC strives to be a bridge for Christ and a beacon of his love.